Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thanks for joining us on Positively Dad. My name's James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. My wife, Terry, and I have a second grader, almost eight-year-old daughter named Naomi. Her birthday's coming up in just about a month. And I started Positively Dad last year just to be a resource for dads. If you go and look, you know, all the parenting stuff is mostly for mom, and I thought we've got to to have some stuff out there for dads to help us grow as a parent and as a partner and as a person. And I think we're on the way of doing that. And, and so thank you for listening to us. We do two episodes every single week. Mondays is the episode you're listening to right now where I talk to an expert about something who's just helping us think and maybe consider something different. And then on Thursdays, I talk to a dad about being a dad, and those are our Dad Talk episodes. Now, if you're new to Positively Dad, then I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of those other episodes. We have so much valuable stuff for you on PositivelyDad.com or wherever it is that you're listening. And again, my goal is just to help us grow. And if you have been listening to us for a while, then you know that learning about other people, understanding diversity, and, and getting to know people from different cultures, religions, and backgrounds is important to us as a family. It's important to me as a father. It's important that Naomi be aware about people who are different than us. And in fact, in my opinion, it may be more important now than it's ever been before. And that's why I invited today's guest on the show. Her name is Saudia Faruqi, and she's the author of that popular children's book series, the Yasmin series. And she's made it her mission to educate others about people from different cultures and religions. Now, the Yasmin books are about a Muslim-American girl who's kind of navigating second grade. And Saudia's goal is to teach us that we're really more the same than we are different. Naomi loves these books. They're a lot of fun. And I think it's an important conversation for us as parents as well. Because Saudia says there's a lot of misconceptions about Muslims in America today. She says most of these misconceptions happened after the September 11th attacks. And she says there is a lot more we can do to get to know about each other and teach our kids about others. And for us as a white family, I think it's really important that my daughter learn about people who look, think, talk, eat, pray, do things different than her. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm excited about it. Let's jump in. Saudia, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you. And and what got me excited to have you on is, first of all, my daughter loves your Yasmin books. So thank you for writing those. She's a, oh, a second yeah. grader. So it's right in, right in her wheelhouse. So thanks so much for writing those books. Yeah, they're um, second graders, first graders. They're my, my pride and joy. I love writing for them. It's just such a fun age to write for. And uh, the comments I get from my readers all the time and their teachers and their parents, it just, just warms my heart. Well, she absolutely loves them, and, and we enjoy reading them together, so thanks for doing it. And, I, and, and it really, you know, what got me excited about talking with you is kind of like why you're even writing the book. So tell us a little bit about you and your family and yeah. why this is so important to you. Yeah, sure. It's, a, it's been a long uh, process to get to this place um, out of, as a children's um, author. Uh, so I'm an immigrant. I was born in Pakistan, which a lot of people don't know where it is or they think they know, but it's not accurate. It's, it's um, in Southeast Asia. I was uh, I grew up there. I came to the U.S. as um, a 20 something immigrant. And so I kind of um, 
came as an adult, I didn't uh, face a lot of the challenges that first-generation kids like my own two children that have um, been born here and are now in elementary and middle school um, are facing. I didn't uh, really know what it was going to be like uh, living in a post-9-11 world, uh, but here we are. And uh, as I saw my children go through a lot of challenges just because of their identity, um, you know, not fitting in just quite right because they look different or they they um, had different traditions at home. Uh, that really helped me because uh, hurt me because for them, and obviously, which is true for should be for everybody, they're American, they're born citizens, and to have this kind of barrier between what they feel themselves to be and what other people, even their peers, their friends, think of them as that's that's a hard thing to be growing up around. So, um, I also was being a bit uh, challenged by my daughter who was at that time in kindergarten and she didn't like reading a lot and I was worried because I'm a big reader I wanted her to read um, uh, she would just pick up books look at their covers and put them down and not really be excited about anything and that's the age when if you don't get kids excited at kindergarten first grade second grade to, to be excited about reading they they might just not ever develop a love for it so it was a big concern, and I finally asked her what the problem was, what can I do to help you, and she said, um, Mama, I don't like any of these books because none of the people in these books look like me, and I was shocked because I had never thought about that, and I said, no, that's not true. We'll find a book about a girl who looks like you, but it, it was next to impossible. Um, there are very few, even today, characters that are brown that are Muslim that are South Asian that are main characters of little kids books and and just doing good happy positive things and I I've decided you know what I know how to write um, I was writing for adults at that time and I said I, I want to write a book that's about a girl that's like my daughter just happy in you know in elementary school doing fun things nothing weird or sad or unusual about her and that's how Yasmin was born, just, just to give that representation, to have kids like my daughter and my son feel that um, they can be the main characters, the heroes of their own stories and gain some self-confidence and let their other friends also see that, hey, there's not only one kind of um, person who gets to be American and who gets to be um, the, the, the main character of their story. Of their yeah. story. Oh. Now, now, how old are your kids? They are now 13 and 10, so now they're uh, they're older. They think the Yasmin stories are for babies, but they, <laughs> I started when they were younger, and, you know, a lot of what I saw happening with them, just everyday things, it's in the books. They still help me with the writing, so, yeah, but they're a little bit older than that age group. Yeah. What's fun about Yasmin and having, uh, you know, an eight-year-old in my house, a second grader, which is who this book series is designed for, Perfect. is, yeah, is what's great about her is, Quite frankly, she's just like any other kid in America. Exactly. Exactly. Bingo. That's the whole point is that we tend to otherize people who are different from us. We tend to think of them as someone different, someone, you know, my kids hate the question, where are you from? Oh, well, we're from here. I was born here. Even uh, myself, I'm kind of annoyed when people ask me that because I'm from the U.S. I've lived here more than 20 years now, but I understand that. I mean, I'm not going to get mad at someone. Because I do have a history growing up somewhere else, but especially for people who are first generation, second generation, there is no somewhere else. And um, that is the whole point of books like Yasmin and other books that are coming out now that I'm very happy to see is that 
there is not, no difference between this character and any other character. They're just like everyone else. Yeah. I mean, your kids are what, from Texas? I mean, if somebody asks where you're yes. from, right, that's where you're from. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so this is really interesting. This is one thing for me as a parent that I've learned in the last year and we've been more purposeful about is helping Naomi um, learn and just not even learn about, just hang out with or read or watch shows of, uh, with characters that look different than her because, you know, mm-hmm. we're just we're a normal white family just hanging out in Florida. And what what was interesting is what you're saying is your kids didn't have those options. They didn't have everyone didn't look like them. They didn't have anyone who did look like them. So you had to kind of fill that space. Uh, the good thing about living in Texas, and especially in Houston, where we live, is that it's a very metropolitan city. It's very diverse. It's one of the it's probably the most diverse city in America. A lot of experts say that it's what America will look like 20 years from now. If you want to know that, look at Houston. And so we've always been lucky to have a lot of different um, diverse groups around us and with my kids. But it's still, you know, they watch TV. And then especially the books that they have, it's, you know, they're big readers. And when they read a book, it's always about uh, a white kid. Um, it's usually about a white kid. And they just have this um, idea a lot of times that, uh the reality is not reflected in what they read and it's not reflected in their schools. It's not reflected in their neighborhoods. We try, but it's not always there. Yeah. So I'm curious about a couple of things and and that is, you know, why do you think it's important for, you know, your children to be able to have stories about people who look like them? And then why would it be important for white children to read about people who don't look like them? Talk to me about that. Yeah, this is a very important concept um, called Mirrors and Windows, uh, started by um, an expert, Dr. Um, Rudine Sims. She was an African-American woman, and she talked about this concept of mirrors and windows, that books uh, should be uh, a mirror in that you can look and see yourself in that book, but it should also be a window in that somebody who is different from you can read a book and learn about how somebody who's different leads their lives or just is a person who's different. So a good book kind of has both those um, benefits to it. It's important for uh, kids like my kids to read about characters who are doing positive and good things. I can speak about myself. We're Muslim. We see so much in the media about terrorism, about things that supposedly Muslims are doing, which, you know, are not accurate because that's a whole different political issue. But when my kids see things like that, they are internalizing a lot of it. You know, we're, we're, uh, there is no Muslims who are doing good things. There are Muslims who are doing good things, but they're not on the TV. They're not on, on the news. And so just their own self-worth might be decreasing because of that. So reading a book about a character who is, Yasmin is very obviously Muslim. Her mom wears the hijab, which is the headscarf. Um, they speak um, Urdu, which is the language of Pakistan. Uh, but it's, uh, they also speak a few Arabic words. There's a lot of little hints in the illustrations that show that this is a Muslim family, an immigrant family, a family from South Asia. And so those are things that I would like my kids and any other kids who are minority kids to develop the sort of pride in their own culture and their own self-worth and self-esteem as dream grows higher. Um, for yeah. other kids, like, like your daughter, it's equally important to see that, um, you know, of heroes or main characters or, or a protagonist 
our books come in all different colors and shapes and sizes and capabilities. It doesn't always have to be somebody like me who saves the day. They can be a, a brown kid like Yasmin who saves the day. And that's okay too. Um, so you learn a lot about other people's cultures. You'd be surprised I get so many um, moms or dads emailing me and saying, my daughter has now decided to call her dad Baba and, um, you know, call her Grandma Nani. And it's funny because that's how they identify. And I love that. I love that you can adopt something of a different culture um, and just see it as a positive thing. So for your American family who is Muslim growing up in America and your kids who are entering a, you know, just it's an interesting time, right? You've got a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this these can be challenging times. What are some of the challenges that you've faced that, you know, that your poor kids have experienced just because of the fact that they look different and they're Muslim? Um. It's been challenging for sure, uh, and and also because we are a very uh, we're outwardly ways we're a religious family. I wear the hijab, so I myself often uh, will face some negativity when I go out just by being who I am. Uh, so they see that I can see that they get a bit scared or afraid of somebody as you know driving by and shouting something, which we've had. Yeah, you get used to it as an adult, and I worry that um, kids kind of take it on a lot more, whereas I or my husband are able to shake it off for just, you know, people being people, and there are all kinds of people that are good people and kind of, you know, rude people in the world. That's okay. Um, uh, while we do see that as learning opportunities, we want our kids to learn how to be strong and brave and not really, you know, worry about what random people on the street are saying, but uh, sometimes it can get... Uh, more personal. I've had to um, move my son out of a school because there was a lot of bullying, not just by his friends, but a couple of teachers too. Uh, it's, you know, it's a challenge for sure. Uh, at the end of the day, that's how life is. And they can see me um, and their dad working actively to do something different. They understand that with my writing, I can kind of change a little bit of the environment. I'm hoping that, you know, when my kids and your kids grow up, they're going to be much better at treating each other because they have books like Yasmin and they have other things around them that can kind of teach them respect for somebody who's different. Um, but it's, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dance play it, play it and mm-hmm. say it's fine, but yeah. uh, it's, um, it's all in a hard day's work. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm sure it is. And that's one of your goals, right? Is just to, it seems like just to educate people about different faiths because there's so many misconceptions. And and I'm curious about what you think yeah. about our role as parents. And first of all, we've got to be educated. And then second, how we teach our children about people who are different than us. Absolutely. I, you know, uh, I'm not just an author. I started out, I think, literally the day after 9-11, my unofficial job title became interfaith activist. I just, there was something that, and I'm not the only one. I know so many Muslims in every single city around this great country who are going out and talking to their neighbors, coming out of their homes. It's just an extra burden that is put on certain people just because they need to show um, how normal they are, I guess you could say. But it's, it's a passion of mine. 
Um, I do a lot of interfaith work in my communities. I, I do a lot of speaking and bringing people together around, say, um, community projects. For example, there's a church in our mosque that does together a quilting project for homeless uh, shelters. We do a lot of different things that just kind of um, helps us get to know each other. We're all in our little silos, whether it's in our houses of worship or our homes or our neighborhoods, and we need to not do that. That's honestly, that's the only thing we need to go out as adults and meet people who are different and if whatever city you live in uh, i can guarantee you if it's a big enough city they will already have programs in place uh, if you're if if there's not that available you can start something i started something uh, i met this uh, woman at a library and we were talking this was 10 years ago my daughter was a baby um, we were talking about how we need to get people together and talk to each other and we decided to start a book club at her church, it was just a few of my friends and a few of her friends. We've been going 10 years strong now. It's a huge group that meets every month uh, for the last 10 years. We were profiled in our local um, uh, our city newspaper, Houston Chronicle, last year. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to have a huge program in place. Two people or three people together from different groups uh, can you know, take a little bit of time out of their schedule and just get to talking, whether it's in your house or your library or you know, town center or something like that and can kind of grow from there. Um, I take my kids to a lot of such programs. Uh, you know, if it's during the weekends, uh, they go with me. They all know this is how we meet people. Uh, I think if we just meet people on an equal footing, um, take our kids with us, uh, do social service projects with them, uh, go tour a house of worship, um, make friends with your neighbors who might be their friends. Those are, those are really important ways that we, honestly, if we think about it, we may not be doing right now. Well, it's really easy just to stay in your circle, right, and not ever get out of it. Yeah, (laughs) and so yeah, so I'm curious about why is that so important? I mean, what ultimately at the end of the day is so important about getting outside of your circle and hanging out with people who are different than you? Well, you realize that they're not that different. That's that's the main. That's what you end up realizing when you meet people who you think are so different and you see them in their homes and you watch how they are with their families and um, you, you the, the big light bulb moment that you get is that, hey, this person is just like me. They might look different. They might pray in a different way or they might not pray or they might have be eating totally different foods or speaking a different language. But at the end of the day, they have the same love for their families. They have the same fears and insecurities that I might have or worries about, say, the environment or the economy or politics or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's really simple. It's not rocket science. You just get to realize that people are the same no matter where they're from. So what advice then would you give to a parent who's having this realization right now that, you know what, my circle does all look like me. Um, you know, I want to expand that. What, 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 what um, advice would you give, the, give to them or resources would you point them to to help a parent just really widen their circle? Um, I would suggest to start out by doing some investigation, what's available in around you already in your city, in your town, in your neighborhood. Um, find out if there's a book club. Find out if there's, you know, any kind of social activity going around. Um, you can, uh, if you, if there's a local mosque in your area or a temple or some house of worship that's different from what you are used to, uh, most of us now have tours or ways that you can come and meet people or look around. 
I have done that. I actually take my Muslim ladies out to a lot of different churches and synagogues and, and temples uh, just periodically so that we can get to know people and they're always happy. So just, you know, look in the paper, look online and see what is out there. There's a lot of online groups now that are interfaith groups that you can just get to online chat with people and ask questions. Um, and uh, if there's nothing, then just, you know, maybe try your own. A book club is a really good way because it's, it's low key, it's not threatening, it's not something that's really out there. Uh, maybe get a book that's about a different culture or a set in a different country or different time period. And, uh, you know, uh, if you go to your local library, most of the time they're happy to point you to, the, to whatever yeah. clubs already are going on. Um, yeah, that's, that's how, as an author, I always point people, reading is like a gateway to so many things outside of just the book itself. Yeah, it sure is. So I'm as we kind of wrap up, I'm just curious about a couple of things. And one is just from your perspective, what's been one of the biggest challenges that as a as a Muslim parent you have experienced that you want other people to know about? I want wow, that's a big question. Um as a Muslim parent, I want people to really think that maybe uh information that you may have about Muslims might be incorrect. I actually teach classes at my local community college about Islam, and you would be surprised how much misinformation is out there just, you know, just about general things about Muslims. So uh, just don't assume that you know everything or what you hear on the news or any other uh, factual, you might think, uh, media platform is correct. Uh, meeting a, a Muslim, getting to know a Muslim is the only way that really you're going to uh, remove a lot of those misconceptions or ideas that you might have. Um, and also just, you know, take care if you have, if your kids have Muslim uh, kids in their classroom, they might be going through a lot that you are not aware of. That's not true of everybody, but I have seen that uh, a lot of uh, Muslim kids do face a lot more bullying. There's some data out there that supports that as well. So um, just be kind to other people in general, not just Muslims, obviously. <laughs> And, um, you know, teach your kids to be kind as well. Um, and that's that's what I write about, not only in Yasmin, but my new upcoming books as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you experienced this as a family with having to move your son out of one school to another just because the environment was not good for him. Right. Right. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, everyone doesn't have the resources to do that. Sometimes we're stuck in where, where, you're, where your kids are going to school. And I maybe took the easy way out, but I could have worked with that school and tried to help them uh, improve their policies. I was just, you know, kind of needed to be out of there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's everyone's path is different. Uh, I don't want to, I mean, you know, just the fact that, you know, there are more than 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. That's mm -hmm. a huge number. We're all not going to go through the same experience. We're not all going to have the same problems and challenges and issues. So I can speak from my own experience right. and just, just know that everybody's different. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. All right, so as we as we wrap up, I know you've got a new series or a new book coming out. So your Yasmin books are really early elementary age. My daughter is kind of right in that spot in second grade. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got a new book coming out for your middle grade uh, age kids. Tell us a little bit about that one. 
Yes, I'm really excited about that book as well. It's uh, actually it's uh, co-written by with uh, another author, Laura Chauvin, who is a Jewish author. So a Jewish mom and a Muslim mom decided to write a book, basically about two girls. One is Muslim and one is Jewish, and how they go through life and uh, they make a friendship. It's very hard to be friends when you have this whole political and social environment that's telling you that you shouldn't really be friends. You're too different. Um, and there is a third character in the book who is a white girl who is being very racist to the Muslim girl. And so this book is, there's a lot of food in there. They're in a cooking club, so there are a lot of recipes and yummy dishes uh, that they go, uh, that they learn about. Um, it's a friendship story, but it also teaches really important lessons about how to be an ally. So a lot of people uh, might have questions about, well, I know what I'm seeing is wrong, how somebody is being treated, but I, my, my instinct is just to stay quiet and do nothing. I don't want to get in the middle of a fight or an argument. But this book is really cool because there is actually a scene in which um, the, the Jewish girl's white friend is being extremely rude and, and harassing the Muslim girl, and they kind of, they, the reader gets to understand how to be a true ally, how to stand up for somebody um, as a child yourself, how to stand up for a friend in middle school who's being harassed or bullied. So I think that there's a lot of value in there. It's not a very, you know, um, it's, it's a very different uh, environment. I mean, a, a different feel of the book than Yasmin. There's issues or problems that these girls face. But you know what, honestly, well, my experience has been in middle school, there are a lot of challenges that get faced. And yeah. that's our way of kind of presenting a little bit of the resources for kids when they read this book, but it's fiction. So it's fun and it's interesting and also kind of teaches you a little bit. Well, and one that maybe some adults could read too, quite frankly. So uh, oh, maybe yes. That's <laughs> it... uh, always my aim. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it comes, that one comes out in May. Now you did. Yes. May a, 12th. Uh, yes. Okay. We, and we can order it now. I'm, I'm see it on your website. So we're ready to order it now. Um, and then finally, just your other book, you, you did do a, a book, kind of a short stories for grownups, for adults called Brick Walls. I Tell did. us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's called um, uh, Brick Walls, A Tale of Hope and Courage from Pakistan. And that was my first attempt at fiction. So I, it's, it's been a while and I learned a lot as a writer after I wrote that book. But that was that was my first understanding of how storytelling is so powerful. I was I spent you know, about a decade after 9-11, just doing a lot of this, these talks that presented data and information and facts. And I would see people's eyes kind of glaze over. I must have taught like thousands and thousands of people over the years. I actually trained the entire Houston Police Department about issues related to Islam just that they could, so they could understand. But again, there's only so much data you can take before you kind of fall asleep. And I realized that when I was talking about stories, um, you know, how I was raised in Pakistan and what my life was like and what my kids go through, then people listen because they're, it's more relatable. And that's when I really understood the power of storytelling. Brick Walls is a collection of short, story, short stories based in Pakistan. It has different kind of, it's, it's a different view of Pakistan than what we get to see in the media. But that was my jumping off point, And I think that's why everything, including Yasmin and my upcoming novel, A Place at the Table, and everything I write, I'm, I'm writing other things too. How they are kind of the the result of this realization that stories, even though they're fiction or um, or narrative stories, they just have this power to shape people's opinions and yeah. to help them understand reality. Yeah. 
Well, you've helped us understand some things today. And so what is the one thing, if, if parents are listening, what's the one thing you just really desire for them to understand that's that's really important to you? Uh, I would, I think that what's really important to understand for parents is that um, learning about the other is is really important for your child because they are living, they are they are going to school, especially with classrooms that are more and more diverse. Uh, there's uh, you know more than half of classrooms now are um, uh, have a majority of non-white cultures within the class that your child is with. And um, that's really important. It's important for you to give tools and resources uh, and understanding to your children to how to be friends with all different people who are different than them and not feel a sense of superiority or a sense of just being separated from them. Um, and that's hard to do when if you have that in your own mind. So it starts from yourselves. Um, but we really do need to help our kids understand this because they are, I mean, honestly, our future generation. They have to live in a better world than we are living in right now. Yeah, no question. Well, how can people connect with you? I am um, addicted to Twitter and uh, Instagram. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so <laughs> if you are on social media, you can follow me there. It's My handle is just my name, Sadia Faruqi. So as long as you spell that right, you're, you'll find me. I do have a website as well, sadiafaruki.com. Uh, I love engaging with my readers and parents of readers, so always happy to get messages to, to talk with you, um, sign books. Uh, I'm, I travel a lot, so I'm in your city. I might be in your city somewhere at some time, so you know, look out for me. And thank you for all the, all the parents who read to your kids and read Yasmin or any other book. I love you. The reading is so important. Well, you've added so much value to us today, and, and I just appreciate the time that you took to share. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, it was a lovely conversation. Thank you for listening. Great stuff from Saudi, and I trust that you learned some stuff, got some value, have some things to consider. For us, it's important. It's important that, that I'm raising a child who's aware of different ideas, different people, different cultures. And here are some things to think about. Number one, let's hang out with people who are different than we are. And Saudia said that she's always spending time with those of different faiths, and she gave us some examples of how you can do that. The other thing is there isn't just one group of people who are Americans. We're all Americans, and people who have different religions or cultures, as, as Saudia said, we're, we're more the same than we are different. And she said they, they may eat different foods or pray in a different way or speak a different language, yet we all have the same worries and we all have the same fears and we all have the same joys and we have the same goals. And when we can get that, then we can eliminate some of the fear that comes from being different. So I would encourage if, if, you know, if you're just this white family living in their white world, then how are you introducing your kids to those that are different than you. And and she gave you, I know she's an author, and yet she gave you a great way to do it is through books. And, and we've got other episodes that we've talked about with other strategies. One that you might go back and listen to is one that we did earlier this year with an organization called Embrace Race. And that episode is called Teaching Your Children How to Embrace Race, Learn About People Who Are Different Than Them. So if this is something you're interested in and you want some ideas on how to truly bring some diversity into your family on an everyday basis, then I would recommend you go back and listen to that episode as well.
All right, well, let's wrap up the way we wrap up every episode, and that's a visit to the Kids' Corner. This is where Naomi, our little eight-year-old girl, will kind of share her thoughts on something. And today I asked her, since we had Saudi Faruqi on the show, and she writes the Yasmin books, and Naomi likes the Yasmin books, I just asked her to share a little bit with you about the Yasmin books. So here we go, the Kids' Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hello, my name is Naomi Shaw. Today I will be talking about... Yasmin, or the author of Yasmin, Sadia Varuki. And uh, my dad talked to her, so if you ever heard my dad talk to her, um, if not, you might want to ask your parents. This is something that I love about Yasmin books. It's like, it could be based on a true story. It's fiction and nonfiction, so it could be together. Oh, and thank you for the person who um, colored it, Halim Ali. And the book that's right in front of me is Yasmin is in Charge. Um, this is like my favorite book because Yasmin's in charge and she has coloring pencils that I can sniff. This is something that I learned from Yasmin. I learned that things can be tough because in a different Yasmin book, she tried to make something and didn't go out. So I recommend all you kids read Yasmin. My favorite one is Yasmin in Charge, so go ahead and read that on your iPad, on your phone, on your computer. That's it for Amy's Corner. Have a great day. Bye. Well, there you go. You know, you could read it on a book, too, if you wanted to, or your tablet or your phone. It's a different generation, isn't it? You know, Saudia said that books should be mirrors and windows. Mirrors into what our life is like and mirrors into the life of others. And I think what you heard from Naomi was exactly that. Naomi said that she's learning things from Yasmin about what it's like to, you know, work on something that doesn't work out. That's a that's a mirror and a window. That's Naomi seeing somebody else experience something that she experiences as well. You know, I, I trust that you got some value out of this podcast today. That's my goal for you, to have conversations around things that we might not talk about otherwise so that we can open our perspective and become better parents, partners, and people. So thanks for listening. If you liked it, would you rate us, please? We love five stars. And then you could write a review, too. That would be totally awesome. And then share it with somebody who you think might some, find some value in our conversation as well. Finally, we'd love to connect with you. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll find us really easy. Just search at Positively Dad. And then if you know of somebody that we should have on the show or there's a topic you'd like for us to discuss or maybe you want to be on, I'd love to have you on the show. Just send me an email, james at positivelydad.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm James Shaw. We'll talk to you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.